This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. It's one you've heard on Obsessed before. If you've listened to Obsessed, she is a dancer, she's an arts administrator, and my partner in life, Sarah Scrimshaw. Hey, I'm happy to be here again. Hey, I'm happy to have you here in our home. I think I said it's in reference to you, meaning a guest. But that's yeah. that's that was okay, right? It is our guest. <laughs> it is our guest. Yeah. But then here I said, is our guest. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think I accept it. It's late and we're tired, as we <laughs> often are uh, when we get to do these podcasts together. But uh, we are excited. Now I'm just speaking for both of us. I can't speak right. <laughs> I'll let I you apologize. know if I disagree. It's okay. Okay. Thank okay. you. I personally am happy to be talking about this topic. How will you be feeling? I am very excited to be talking about this topic. (laughs) I uh, was driving home and I was thinking about the fact that this is what we're going to be talking about. And I was very excited about it. Ooh, good. All right. Well, we're going to dive into it. We are going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. A while ago, we did a live podcast about Stranger Things in general, uh, mostly focusing on the first season because it was right before the second season was going to premiere. Uh, But this is a fun chance to dive into this third season. And it's an interesting time because there's a lot of questions about what is going to happen in the streaming wars. Yeah. And Stranger Things holds such a special place, I think, for Netflix. And it's, uh, they have many great shows that people love. But Stranger Things is one of the things that has broken through and is kind of a brand or an IP on its own. Where you go to Target and there are action figures and there are specific mm. phrases like the upside down that, you know, people know. So to yeah. me, Stranger Things is not only a popular show, it holds a really unique and specific place in our culture right now because it is one of the main soldiers in the streaming wars. So it's uh, fun to talk about what all happened in this uh, third season. So let's just dive in with, I want to know your general take on, on Stranger Things as a whole. Why do you specifically like it? Yeah, so here um, I enjoy it. I'm answering that question, but I'm going to start with actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With actually, um, it's. Actually, it's. No. Um, as we were talking about rewatching Stranger Things season three, there was a moment where I was like, oh, am I ready to get back into that world? Okay. And so. I had a moment of not hesitation because I certainly was ready for it, but I had that like, huh? And like, then as I we was, were getting, because you, you said rewatching. You mean did you mean watching for the first time? I meant watching for the first okay, time. Okay, just wanted to clarify. I'm also that I hadn't forgot a second viewing that we did a Stranger <laughs> Things season three. You know, last night we stayed up and watched it all again. <laughs> I don't remember that. Okay. No, I just wanted to be clear because yeah, you were sorry. saying after the experience of season one and season two, you were a little reticent about jumping back into the world. No, um, I. It, right as we were about to watch season three. So I think you had brought it up um, on a day when we ended up starting it the next day or something okay. like that. And the first day I had um, kind of an internal conflict is making it sound far too intense for what it actually <laughs> was. But just a moment of, oh, am I ready to jump back into that world? And then I uh, took a little bit. I was like, yes, I am. But I it was interesting to me because I didn't expect that because I expected to be like, yes, I was all in on season one. I was all in on season two. The second season three started, I was all in on season three. And so it was weird to me to have that moment of hesitation. Um, what do you think it was about? I think it was just, uh, was I ready for the upside down to return? 
<laughs> oh, so like a a level of I enjoy this as a show, but it legitimately stresses me, scares me, puts me in a specific kind of mental place that I'm not sure I want to go there yet. Do I want these characters that I'm enjoying watching to have to go through that and I have to watch them go through that? That's a really good point because I don't think there's anything in the build up to season three that suggested it would be anything but what it turned out to be, which is, damn, it's happening again, at least in terms of yeah. the monster side of the you know, you go through the trauma of discovering this whole world and what Will went through. And then the tension of season two is like, oh, no, it's not over. Will's still connected. And will Eleven be okay? And then w- just wanting to go like, hey, could I maybe just watch them have fun at the pool and play D&D? <laughs> and does there have to be a monster tearing through a hole in reality? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't see any of the uh, previews or trailers. Um, we've mentioned before, living here in Los Angeles, um, especially in the general Hollywood area, that there are a lot of billboards for TV shows. And so really all, in fact, the first time I saw the Hawkins billboard, I forgot that Hawkins was there. I was like, oh, which show is that for? And as I was driving home that day, I was like, oh, duh, Sarah. But all I knew was what I had seen in the billboards, which since I hadn't seen any of the other previews, took me a little bit because I didn't know about them all. Right. Let me... You didn't know about them all. Yeah. Okay, yes. Oh, cool. Let me give people uh, a picture because I think this really helps uh, understand where you're coming from. Yes. So, also, should we give the spoiler warning? Awooga, awooga. Yeah. I, yeah, I was going to do it, but thank you <laughs> yeah. for, for reminding me. Awooga, awooga, spoiler. Yeah, we're going to talk about everything that happened right down to the last second. So uh, if you haven't watched it yet, stop. Stop listening. Start watching. Listen again. Okay. Um, you are on your drive home from work. Yeah. Where when one drives home from work, sometimes one holds some amount of tension, regardless of, uh, you know, what you feel about your job, right? Because you're coming home and you're processing everything and traffic and whatever. So you're coming home from work Mm -hmm. and then there is a series of elaborate, in-depth billboards where the entire point of them is all of them are advertisements for things like the community pool in Honkins, the Scoops Ahoy, the Starcourt Mall. And they're all advertising, fun, 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 summer, 4th of July is coming, Mayor Klein's going to have an event. But then they're corroded with uh, disgusting, viscous monsters. Yeah, yeah. So I can understand why that would subliminally get in your mind (laughs) every day driving home from work. There's something going like, wouldn't it be fun to go to the pool? No, drippy monsters are waiting for you. Yeah. In fact, I saw one today that I hadn't noticed before because it is so covered with monster goo. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I think subliminally, I just had a moment of not being so sure. Okay. Yeah. But then once we started... Once we started, I was all in. uh, End of the line, big picture, all in. Okay. So now that we've addressed the the subliminal terror of monster drippings, um, why do you like Stranger Things as a whole? What... uh, what draws you to it? Um, th- quite a few things. I would say there's, I mean, certainly there's the nostalgia factor um, is part of it, but that's not all of it. There's plenty of things set at n- nostalgic times that I don't like. Um, I like the characters. I feel like they're interesting characters. One of the things I really liked this time is how they um, kind of mashed up some of who the characters interacted with Um yeah, it was an awkward way of saying that. But basically, we didn't have some of the exact same friends groups that we had before. It right. wasn't necessarily a part of the plot. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just the way that things happened to work out for some of them. Um, and I don't know why I'm talking so I can't say like, oh, don't say what's happening. But just um, things like having Dustin be with now I'm going to blank on uh, Steve. Steve and Erica Steve and, and Robin. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and just some of the different pairings was a thing that I really enjoyed uh, that was different about season three. Yeah. Um, but to actually get back to your question, so I'd say the characters, just I think it's an interesting deep dive of you're having fun, but what are the what are the things that lurk beneath the surface? And I enjoyed this time kind of that tension between is it monsters? Is it Russians? Are they related? How are they related? And just kind of what are the fears of both childhood and as you're getting older? Because, you know, childhood, it's like, ooh, there are monsters on the bed. But as you get older, it's like, ooh, Russian spies everywhere. Maybe it's both. Yeah, there is a real... I think the show has has shifted a bit and mm-hmm. like the first season in particular is a real pastiche of like early 80s horror and there is the like playing around with the ooh dungeons and dragons is it you know demonic and like oh the things that we fear we, we try to make uh, feel safe by playing games with them like dungeons and dragons it's a fantasy and like oh no what if the fantasy is suddenly real and how frightening is that mm-hmm. and then it's kind of evolved into I feel like by this third season is a little bit more getting into action adventure of the mid 80s and getting into russians are real yeah the threat of capitalism is uh, represented by a mall is mm-hmm. real uh and we'll we'll talk more about both of those things but yeah the, there's that great tension throughout it about it's a very fun show filled with really enjoyable characters who are full of life and feel very real even when they're being over the top yeah feel real and relatable but they're also dealing with these sort of what if our fears were real? So it creates this great tension between this is fun, this is horrible. Yeah. 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 So I think that's one of the things I really like. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I think for myself, I was really reflecting on how much I do. I love the characters. Yeah. I think the characters are well written on the page. But even, maybe even more than that, it, the the casting is just mm. phenomenal. It's mm-hmm. the charm of the individual actors, even when they don't have a particularly great line or a particularly amazing scene in my opinion mm-hmm. they still knock it out of the park and you you get that feeling that you have with great uh actors where you feel like i would i really would have been fine just watching a sitcom set at scoops ahoy yes because not only are the original cast good but you know we'll talk more about which characters we liked but uh, uh the actor who played robin the new character who worked at scoops ahoy just yeah just phenomenal actors that really to go to the old stereotype like i would uh watch them read the phone book kind of actors yeah i think that's a huge part and always has been you know uh you know going back to you know winona Ryder and yeah. you know hopper and everything yeah um, i absolutely agree with that yeah and then there's the actual nostalgia which i think is so fascinating because i think it's effective to people who are actually alive in the 80s mm-hmm. uh but I think I think the nostalgia dances around from being nostalgia for the actual 80s, mm-hmm. which we always have rose-colored glasses looking backward, right? But there's also nostalgia for what people who are not alive during the 80s think the 80s might have been from watching movies from the 80s, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when we watch things, uh, neither of us were alive in the 40s. Yeah. But we can watch things from the 40s and at least some of the good parts feel nostalgia for them when watching it through rose-colored glasses but we actually we were not there right it, it the stranger things has really made me reflect like yeah i've watched a lot of things made in the 50s like did anybody actually say daddy-o or is that just from the movies you know that, <laughs> that kind of thing yeah. you know uh that there's elements of that in in stranger things we're like they called something sweet and to me in my life experience growing up in the 80s sweet came around in like 89 90 but in 85 if you said that this is sweet 
mm-hmm. in my life experience, I don't, the kids weren't saying that yet. Mm-hmm. So it has these weird sort of like, for me, these moments of like dissonance of like, am I misremembering my actual life? Or was that a little bit like, oh, that's something slipped by. And then there's those powerful moments, like in the first uh, season, uh, a sheet, a weird, it's the sheet that uh, Mike uses to make the fort for 11 uh, in the first season. And it makes a reappearance is a bandana that she mm-hmm. covers her eyes with in this season. It's this incredibly weird combination of very 70s patterns. And my my mom and dad had that sheet. It was on their bed for most of my childhood, but then yeah. it, it moved out to the living room and it was like the living room blanket and it was the blanket I would be under when I was sick. And oh. it's just like incredibly, yes, that is from the 80s. How did you even find that pattern? And it's incredibly real. Yeah. And there, there's the nostalgia of like, oh, I remember that. And then sometimes a deep visceral, oh my God, I never expected to see that deep memory on screen. Right. Yeah. Right. Do you have m- moments like of that kind of nostalgia? Um. I feel like I did on season one, but I'm not recalling any of them right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I think the last thing for me that I wanted to highlight is a reason that I really like Stranger yeah. Things and why I think it's popular mm-hmm. is because the show is appears to be uniquely good at iconography. So mm. like a lot of the ideas, uh, I mean, it's not an insult. They are blatantly playing with tropes, mm-hmm. uh, particularly tropes of the 80s. They're, you know, taking specific references, plot points, and matching them up from uh, 80s uh, material. But things like Eleven's nosebleed. Like, we've seen psychic powers. We've seen, in fact, it's a trope from the 80s. Little girls with psychic powers. Uh, now she's a teenager, but when she started, it was, mm-hmm. you know, the, the young girl. Uh, but the nosebleed makes it specific and mm-hmm. iconic. The her with the wanting the ego specifically is really specific. Yeah. The trying to communicate from the other side is a trope, but there's something so powerful and distinct from that first season about the alphabet with the Christmas lights. Oh, yeah. And even just having that very specific term for the other dimension of the upside down. Yeah. All of that is just like not only good world building, like I think all sorts of sci-fi fantasy genre storytelling should have, but specifically within these tropes, they're great at giving them visual images that are just resonant and powerful. Like, hey, an ice cream shop, but it scoops ahoy and it's all <laughs> nautical themed is yeah. about a million times more powerful than uh, a generic Dairy Queen ripoff where they have kind of dopey bright costumes. The fact that it's yeah. nautical. Yeah, that's such a good point. Is immediately iconic. Yeah. And powerful. Yeah. And they, that they wear these very specific uniforms. And it's not some generic like, oh, for this place, you're wearing pink. But if you worked over there at this other food restaurant, you'd be wearing orange of basically the same uniform. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's a, a great point. So um, I think it's something that I just I really admire and think about uh, is the, the power of specificity and the power of making uh, a standard idea into an icon. Yeah. 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 Were you going to say something more about the iconography? I felt like I was cutting you off. Oh, just specifically about the Christmas lights, jumping way down to the end of <laughs> the series that I, when um, they're moving out of the house at the end, that was one of the, I was like, oh, the Christmas light room. With the, <laughs> like, we need a shot of it. We need like a goodbye Christmas tree lights. Like I personally just needed a moment of closure with that. Like you wanted to see a shot of, of Joyce wrapping up the 
the Christmas lights or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I needed, but something. Yeah. That's a great demonstration of like, this makes you invest in it to the point where you're going like, but the Christmas lights, they're a major character of stranger things. Give us yeah. a, a parting Specifically shot. strung across all of the walls with the no- the letters painted yeah. underneath them. Yeah. So great. Um, okay, cool. So I wanted to establish a little bit about how you and I were both approaching stranger things so we could dive into season three. So yeah. how did you feel about the third season? Did you in general, like it uh, more, less than the previous two seasons? Do you feel like it uh, built on them well? What's your general reaction? My general reaction is that I enjoyed the places that it went. I, f- um, I feel like it went slightly different. I didn't know where they were going to go next, and then so I enjoyed the journey of finding out where they were going to go. Uh, there, I felt like I liked the season overall, and if I were in charge, I would have had a... S- a slightly differently shaped arc. Okay. Um, but that's nitty gritty nitpicks. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like uh, I honestly don't remember some of the details of season two well enough to feel like I really answered this question. Well, no, you you totally answered the question. And uh, I, I we, we, watched, we watched season one twice. We've only yeah. watched season two once. once. And I'm impressed with myself that I said that correctly. Uh, <laughs> so... I agree with you. Like I really, really ultimately loved where the season went, mm-hmm. but halfway through I was like, I am enjoying all of the individual scenes. I'm enjoying spending time with the characters, but what is the shape of this? Because yeah. the first one has such an incredibly strong hook of a child missing, Yeah, you know? And I think anybody can relate to that on an emotional level, but like, uh, I lived in Minnesota when Jacob Wetterling went missing. So, like, I've even had, like, real-life experience that makes that, like, that is such a powerful emotional hook. Yeah. Right? And the second season has that real terror of, is it going to happen to Will again? And mm-hmm. all the, the real question of, can Eleven be in a, a normal kid? Yeah. Can she be safe? So, it's got, I don't know. I felt like the, those, the two kids were still in danger in season two. Mm-hmm. And what happened to Barb? And what happened? And yeah, what happened to Barb? Will there be justice for Barb? <laughs> the uh, shadow of Barb loomed over season two as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that season three just sort of started, and we were just sort of following a bunch of different characters, and there are definitely some monster things happening. But like the cliffhanger ending of the first episode of season three is Billy, one of the least likable characters, being sucked into a basement, and I think I really missed that. Like. I'm enjoying everything, but who am I worried for ultimately? Yeah. And I think as the season progressed and as it got to its great, beautiful, heartbreaking, poignant end, it became clear to me like, oh, I, th- what, what they want to do is this is about all these different characters, like you said, kind of pairing even with some different characters. Mm-hmm. How, how can they connect? What are they missing in life? What are they longing for? And what... Can they, you know, uh, cling to from the past and what can they find in the future? Mm-hmm. I feel like all of it was like all the great character stuff was much more important to this season. And then there was also a monster to bring out some of these relationship issues. Yeah. But it felt like the monster story was not as motivating. It was a thing that was happening so we could see the characters. Yeah, it's almost like, okay, now we know we're in this town where they think that they're safe, but it is a town that has seen this monster. And so that didn't need to be the driving factor as much. Yeah. And I actually kind of liked that it was Billy that was taken. Yeah. Um, I found that an intriguing, different approach to the story. 
Okay. So it's not Will who's the one who's immediately in danger, even though you're worried about him the whole time because he keeps getting these feelings on the back of his neck. The neck prickles, and At least for myself, yeah. I kept being worried that there was somehow still some remnant in him that would suddenly come out. Oh, right, right. And so there's that like visceral fear for Will. You're still worried for Eleven. But I liked that there is a little bit of a different edge. And also within that, the idea of, okay, you know, like Max says, is he doing something horrible? Then he's probably fine. That's who he is. Because <laughs> uh, that's been her relationship with her brother. Yeah. Um, and that like, oh, he's not fine. He's sitting at home. Yeah. You know, but I just I liked that different approach of having it be a character that isn't necessarily somebody that we liked or had a lot of information about. Yeah. I just felt like it was a different approach um, to the storytelling. I think it worked really ultimately, uh, really beautifully ultimately Mm -hmm. in that 11 getting to see that moment where this guy who'd had a rough life had had this really happy pure moment and be able to connect to that and say like connect to that past before you know things had to change and got you know bad for you you know it tied in with all of the themes about change being scary and like change doesn't always work out for people yeah um but again uh, there was a lot of it that i feel like i was unsure at the beginning but everything paid off and for me it's uh, a good lesson with a lot of uh continuations that you can come in with like baggage or expecting it to feel like it did previously Mm -hmm. and then i'll probably enjoy the season even more on a second viewing releasing myself from the the uh i'll open my mouth and i'll let the uh expectation stream out (laughs) yeah (laughs) like the mind flare escaping will yeah i think i will too and also possibly rewatching season two into season three yeah oh yeah that'd be great to do a big full binge so let's talk about characters yeah so which characters did you respond to the most in season three could be old ones could be new ones who uh who jumped into your heart oh um well jumped to my heart you've already touched on robin uh new mvp from scoops ahoy yeah scoops away scoops away um, scoops, ahoy. scoops ahoy yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> scoops away i think is a medieval themed uh ice cream <laughs> restaurant where they they get catapults and they throw the ice cream at you but scoops ahoy scoops ahoy so i thought robin was fantastic especially as the season went on and she got to do more and more yeah um uh, yeah so i thought she was great i've always had a soft spot for dustin and i thought that he really got a chance to come into his own this time. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Um, I will always love Joyce. Yeah. And Winona Ryder's portrayal of her. So that is probably, she is probably always going to be my favorite character, just hands down, because, because, because how can you not? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think those are kind of my my main favorites. But I mean, there's nobody that I didn't like. I thought everybody did a great job. Um so I'm like, here I am at the awards. Everybody did a great job. Award of participation. No, you for all get your nice Netflix hit show uh, from me. That's what matters. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that uh, those were those will be my top three for the moment. Okay, that's very good. Yeah, I, I really liked how much forward movement Joyce had. That was probably one of the delights for me. Of like, in some ways, is like this is this is a big change from the first season where Joyce was a very grounded, concerned mother. She's like she was. Always willing to be like, okay, well, maybe the supernatural stuff is real. I got to question everything, mm-hmm. you know, so she's always been that. But to go from like this extremely concerned mother of a disappeared child to by the end of season three, she is doing espionage while dressed up as a Russian in a secret facility. Like, yeah, that's really covering the gamut of uh, of 
80s aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, and she really remains consistent to that character. Mm-hmm. So many great moments in this uh, season where, you know, Hopper questioned her or whatever. And she was just like, nope, I'm picking up whatever tool I'm going next. And I have it was nice to have a character who has been through supernatural stuff who just goes like, yeah, no, I'm not nuts to worry about my magnets. Mm-hmm. My magnets fell off at work and at home. Things are fucked. And yep. I'm not going to let anyone deter me from that belief yeah or that concern that. you know mm-hmm. which was so great uh so i loved joyce um uh a lot of people uh the internet loves alexi i the I, russian as you're talking i was thinking oh i should have mentioned alexi <laughs> oh, yeah but it was really really great uh to see not only was he charming and and a great character to sort of break down the like oh we're all human mm-hmm. uh despite the these cultural differences kind of thing mm-hmm. uh but just i i in particular liked his joy at the carnival yeah it was obviously extremely tragic uh i liked all of the uh, laughing at looney tunes and wanting the specific cherry slurpee that stuff is all great um but in particular that contrast between him and uh, murray where murray thinks all of the games are rigged and like we can kind of agree with murray of like yes you were Write about some of your conspiracy theories and the government's not perfect, but here's a Russian from a secret lab discovering like, no, this is this actually is just a pure and innocent carnival. And if you have good aim, yeah, you can get a big toy. Yeah. Yeah. So that I I liked what he represented and he played it well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then strangely, I did not expect as I was thinking which characters I liked the most to think of Mrs. Wheeler. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, so I think it's right away in that first episode where we get the subplot where she's maybe going to have a fling with Billy. Uh, yeah. And I kind of, I liked that incredibly boring Mr. Wheeler, who's barely paying attention, went from in the first couple seasons being kind of like a, a fun joke in the background to an actual trauma for this poor woman mm-hmm. who has been through a lot uh, with her kids. Um, and just wants to feel alive. And I just, I really, really felt for her, not in terms of the, like, the fling, but just that it got past, like, the sort of, like, almost the 80s sex romp comedy pastiche that mm-hmm. they were maybe playing with a little bit down to the humanity really quickly of, yeah. like, and it tied into the themes really well. Of, like, I need to feel seen and heard and alive you know, mm-hmm. and I really, really like that representation for a, you know, middle-aged person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Did that did that work for you? Did you relate to Mrs. Wheeler? Which is a weird thing to ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, I found the moment when she was right before she left the house. Yeah. Um, I, I, I found it very striking because it was that like, Okay, I'm not sure this is right, but I need something for me. Yeah. And then we didn't find out until later that she didn't actually go. But yeah, I found that very striking. And then also I would say kind of, um, I'm going to say what I remember of how much we see of her throughout the rest of uh, the season where we do get, you know, she's in the mother role a little bit more. Yeah. But you also, because we've had this chance to see her as an individual, you get a little bit more why she totally gets it when Nancy got fired yeah she gives and a great speech to nancy about follow your dreams yeah yeah, and yeah don't let them tell you you can't do things exactly and you you just you see a little bit more of mrs wheeler the person 
acting as Mrs. Wheeler, the mother. Yeah. And I like that it then follows through to she uh, a little bit more assertively is like, hey, boring ass Mr. Wheeler, you are going on the Ferris wheel. (laughs) And I did get it to stop at the top so we can watch the fireworks of like, you owe me. Yeah. Some connection. Yeah, you I know. was so sure that they were going to get attacked by the monster or something from being there. It was a great setup because we're set up at that point. They're like, okay, someone's on the Ferris wheel. They're going to uh, yeah, be the, the ones who are in are trouble. Gonna, yeah. Like That's such a trope of that, of Ferris wheels in general, that I kind of loved that they set it up that way and then it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And it's that great contrast of everybody's looking up so nobody sees mm-hmm. the trees moving. Yeah. Beautiful. Except uh, for their daughter. Except for the daughter. Except for Nancy, right? No, the little uh, daughter. The little daughter. The yeah, little yeah. Name. I forget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. Mommy, Nancy's look at there. the trees. <laughs> yes, um, but I agree with you. My absolute MVP is Robin. That that actor is so charismatic, and her arc was so great. Uh, from having that reaction to Steve and the "You rule, you suck" board is another like yeah. great. We've seen a million <laughs> teen comedies where somebody is, you know. Pointing out every time that that the dude messes up, but the "you rule, you suck" is so specific and so funny, mm-hmm. um, and I just I loved her sense of adventure in the way that she was a character who was new to the weird mysteries mm-hmm. of Hawkins and just going like, "Yeah, this is more exciting than serving ice cream." So yes, I want to translate yeah. Russian spy code. That again, much like Joyce, that all in attitude. Yeah, and then that the that coming out scene was so great. Uh, Mm -hmm. She did such a great job. And I think it was one of the times where they handled uh, the eighties in a good way where Steve didn't necessarily need to be judgmental about someone being gay, Yeah, but it took him so long to process it. Yeah. To even understand what she was saying. To understand what she was saying. Yeah. 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 And also to just see how much she as a character had to go through to get to that point like you get the sense of like even if they worked at scoops ahoy together all summer Mm -hmm. you know would that have come out or is this a a situation where the pressure cooker of this incredibly bizarre experience being kidnapped and drugged by russians yeah you know yeah absolutely and and still probably a little bit drugged at that point yeah 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 uh so yeah i thought she was just phenomenal absolutely um any particular scenes that you really really liked that popped out to you um, I mean, the singing of the de- never-ending story song <laughs> on the radio with everybody listening. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a fist-pumping moment. It was literally fun. It was in our home. true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so did you respond to that because of nostalgia for the actual song, or was it the way the scene, the whole scene revealed that Susie Dustin's, you know, faraway girlfriend mm-hmm. was real, the way that dovetailed with actually providing absolutely necessary key information for our heroes to succeed yeah i think i mean it was everything it was mainly just the the uh, him um dustin reaching out to you know they're at the final moment they need the final piece of information that feeling of embarrassment um not that you don't want to share with everybody but you kind of don't like this is what I do with, you know, somebody that I have a special bond with and I don't necessarily want all of my friends and, you know, whoever knows whether adults to listen to all of this and to not be able to do the short version, have to do the full out version um, to be able to literally save the world. I just I like all of that. And I, I like a good 
a good song, a good rendition, and I had totally forgotten the song. Yeah. And so that was fun, too, to just be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. So that's just, that's, I did enjoy it, but that's kind of my tongue-in-cheek answer. Um, there's so many things that I loved. You mentioned the, the magnets. I loved that. I loved when Robin stood up in the middle of the mall and figured out the code. Oh, Because I yeah. love that, like, you know, we see them at the beginning, I think in that original thing there in Russia, and they're like, okay, 10 years, you have to get this right. Or uh, a year. A year, yeah. a year I think. Um, but then we see them and that realization that, oh, they are in the mall. And it's like, there's no way this is right. The silver cat, the, you know, whatever all the different um, code yeah. words were. But the fact that that is actually what it was and it actually worked and pointed them in the right direction yeah, is just hilarious and I love it. Yeah, it yeah. It feels like such a, um, like the like a book that you would read, like a summer uh, <laughs> kids novel. I don't yeah, know yeah, like a summer but mystery. Like, 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 a, yeah, like, like it has some Nancy Drew updated yeah, vibes yeah, exactly. to it. Exactly, yeah. like Nancy Drew Files or something, which yeah. were, you know, put out in the... 80s 90s yeah yeah i think it's a, a fresh approach to something that's go that goes on a lot in stranger things of sort of like your your perspective as a kid doesn't matter your the perspective of a small town doesn't matter a small town sheriff who's a has-been doesn't matter there's a lot of underdog appreciation at work and i think extending that to the a Russian code couldn't possibly be about some dumb mall in a small town. Right. And the fact that it is. It is. Okay, so uh, Dustin's, uh, in Susie's great song, mm-hmm. uh, Robin's uh, detective work at the mall. Mm-hmm. Anything else for you? Oh, I'm sure there are so many, but those are the two that are popping to mind right now. Okay. How about uh, for you? Yeah, for me, I think uh, the specific scene with the science teacher, Mr. Clark, he got the one scene and it was packed uh, between him uh, you know, painting miniatures, listening to Weird Al, and then just Joyce knowing that she could go to him with this, mm-hmm. and that he gives like the kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, correct science answer of like, well, most likely it's just happenstance. That's you know the most likely kind of Occam's razor answer, but I guess it could be this weird, crazy <laughs> science thing. Uh, it's such a great uh, scene from Joyce's perspective, and uh, and for the Mister Clark of it all. Um, the thing that made me laugh probably the most is the Russians interrogating Steve. Oh, you know, yeah. And then punching him in the face like, who do you work for? And scoops, ahoy. It's just, <laughs> to me, it almost like harkened back to like um, uh, 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 Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein where that mashup of like true comedy figure with horrifying monster of like, he is being tortured by this scary Russian. And just to have the answer truly be like, Look at this dumbass outfit. <laughs> I wouldn't wear this even as a cover. I, yeah. Uh, uh, scoops ahoy, man. And I think it does get back to that that mashup of underdog of like big world ending event mashed up with, you know, fallen high school cool guy who is no longer cool at all and works at effing scoops ahoy. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah. And they followed this because it was more interesting than scooping ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, absolutely. That was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I just say the the whole montage at the end with uh, with Hopper. Yeah. Hopper's letter uh, intermixed with all of these scenes of moving on and yeah. passing on the Dungeons and Dragons game to Erica. Yeah, that was great. Dustin's uh, Dustin's uh, discussion with Erica whether or not watching My Little Pony makes her a nerd and sort of breaking down the ideas. 
Yeah, what did yeah. you think of that? I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great because I think that is it's true. Like there, a lot of times you can have that like we're all nerds about something. Like even if you like fantasy football, you're obsessing on these details. But I liked making it even more like we get these larger cultural ideas of what fits under the genre umbrella and mm-hmm. what doesn't. And obviously in the 80s, it was more heightened because it was, you know, uh, it was not as cool to be a nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it translates really well now to like, uh, all right, you know, is does, is James Bond welcome at a sci-fi fantasy convention? Yes, of course, because all of these things connect mm-hmm. in different ways. And My Little Pony in particular was very, very funny to go back to the 80s when things were even more gendered, right? Right. So this was a girl's thing. Right. And then there are nerd things, and those are somehow different. And for Dustin to go like, no, it's about mythical beasts you know what what the hell are you talking about yeah and i know how they had to defeat the the other character yeah yeah and no. dustin is very knowledgeable about my little pony yeah, is, is no, great and uh yeah all that stuff i like anything you didn't like any specific scenes or character moments um um not off the top of my head okay i'm so gonna I'll let you go first and i'll think well i'm gonna share one that i think we both didn't like or yeah. were unsure about was the need for more explicit vomit shots than are often <laughs> featured. Yeah. It, it was kind of a grosser season of Stranger Things just in that the monster with all of its squelching around and body parts and yeah. exploding rats and all that was a little bit more just like gross out. Uh, but then there was like, yeah, like uh, why was the choice made to... We knew they were vomiting. Yeah. Did we need to see... A panning overhead shot into the toilets? I will tell you my answer. I did not. (laughs) I very specifically did not. In fact, I believe I turned to you and said, I did not need to see that. I think you did. I think you did. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that was a scene we didn't like. Nope. Uh, I think Stranger Things is often very successful on taking a trope and making it their own, as Mm -hmm. as I talked about. I thought there were a couple moments in this season that were a, a little out of tune where uh, speaking again of vomit, the, Lucas just had the like, uh, I think I threw up in my mouth, which is kind of a trope that was super powerful for several years. And then for the last several years has been a like, yeah, that's the, the that's not just a go to line anymore. Yeah. Because it had been getting to the point of cliched. Yeah. And I had seen I had actually seen people tweeting about it and I was hoping to see some sort of twist on it. Yeah. And it was just there. It, the, the minor quibble. Uh, the other minor quibble I had was, uh, Murray's big speech to Joyce and Hopper about their yelling at each other because they want to have sex. Why don't you just rip your clothes off and get it over with? Mm -hmm. Uh, I I wrestle with that a little bit because to me, it feels a little bit like, I guess I'm more interested in their connection connection than whether or not they have a lot of sexual tension. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like the rest of the show has been... Uh, about their deep connection. And there's been, you know, so I don't have anything, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not sex shaming <laughs> them. For it, but I just didn't feel like anything else in the show was building up to this like, oh my God, the chemistry between them. Yeah. It was about the Hopper's trying to be more in touch with his emotions. Joyce is trying to get over all of the various traumas she's been through with yeah. her ex-husband with will with losing bob and get to a place where she could take that chance so to suddenly make it about sex and to make it about sex in a cliche way this is a part where i feel like 
don't think you're doing a twist on the 80s. I think you're just doing something that was very prevalent in the 80s that, like, the only way that men and women can communicate sexual longing is to just scream at one another. To just bicker nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. I I took it very much as that is Murray's perspective and That's like, helpful to and me. And he has like you said earlier, like some of his conspiracy theories, yeah, sure. Some of them maybe, some of them mm. and so I took it as like he's kind of a person that within all of his willingness to think ideas that other people might not be he seems to have very specific ideas so i took it very much as that's where he's coming from yeah but there is also then okay take a few more steps up where is the show coming from and why did the show decide to include that which i didn't question and probably should have because i don't know that it added anything other than they had been bickering a lot and it did kind of stop the bickering yeah uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't. I, I feel no, that's a good point. Yeah, more I'm, contemplation. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm working through it more. I think that really helps to say it is from Murray's perspective, mm-hmm. because to me, like, well, yeah, of course, they are attracted to each other on on multiple levels. The mm-hmm. show just hadn't spent much time on making it really physical. Yeah. So for it to, for that to be the emphasis threw me a little bit, but that makes yeah. sense that it would come from Murray's from perspective. Murray. And then they kind of diffused it with the rest of the spy Russian, et cetera, chase that happened following that. Yeah. And, and, and it got them to talk about their actual feelings and yeah. Joyce ask him on an actual date. Yeah. 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 And then we get the, the revelation later that, that Hopper had made this breakthrough of writing down his feelings. He didn't mm-hmm. manage to say them, but he managed to write them down. Hey, that's huge. And that's yeah. Beautiful. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about star court mall itself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, one of the big features, one of the definitely, like, we are marching through the 80s, and what are the 80s known for? Malls. So I thought it was interesting that it was uh, interesting that Starcourt Mall was presented with great nostalgia. I think it was both a real-life 80s thing and an 80s movie thing to have mon- the montage of shopping. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But I think fairly accurate showing that, like, yeah, the community is gathering here. This is where people are spending mm-hmm. time, and the nostalgia of, like, Orange Julius, Walden Books, and like yeah. all the, the stores that you recognize, depending on, you know, when you were alive and where you were alive and all that. Um, but then it also included the, oh, but it, it it killed downtown. Yeah. And some people are against that. Yeah. So on those levels, like, okay, good. Yay, fun, shiny nostalgia of malls. Yeah. And then they like, oh, but there were some downsides. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, they go with the, the just the full... Uh, yeah, and it is actually literally a cover for uh, nefarious evil. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, the, the the entire to go with uh, what I'm what I'm rambling towards is on one level it had like a little balance of here's the fun nostalgia, but yeah, but there's not some great things about malls. But then it seemed to undercut all of that by just going, yeah, it's literally a cover for an evil. <laughs> base where dangerous science is going on yeah. in the metaphor of what's under a mall what is under a mall well screw metaphors literally under the mall is a giant weapon opening a portal to a hell dimension yeah uh and went from metaphor to statement yeah you know malls <laughs> malls so how did you feel about all of that <laughs> um i really liked that they included the dying downtown um, yeah st- starting with that side of yeah. Of the question, because I feel like that was such a big part of 
80s and 90s um, as people were kind of trying to figure out where do people go, what does this do, and now as we're coming back to like revitalization of downtowns, um, are the malls dying? And I just I feel like that is it is such a part of that story that uh, I probably was not aware of as a child, but as an adult. I see very much. And so I, I like that part of it and that push pull of this thing that's shiny and exciting to some people is not necessarily shiny or good to everybody. Yeah. And then, um, with the people with the reality that of what's actually underneath the mall. Um, it's a good question that I haven't thought about yet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, I definitely, that's my deep thought. Okay, well, we'll 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 dive deeper, just like the scientists did to that's build. That's right. It. We'll see if there's a monster in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love the idea of showing the fun in the community of it, as particularly when it was new, and then showing that the downtown died because I think it does tie into just change comes. Sometimes it's good or it's bad, but it's inevitable. Change. Yeah comes along mm-hmm. you get um, back to that theme over and over again over and over again yeah yeah i think the um the the mall literally being a cover for something nefarious i don't know i, I kind of almost wanted it to be pointed out more or for it to be maybe it will be in season four for it to be kind of wrestled with because mm-hmm. except for the people who were displaced from downtown who saw the damage of that change everybody seemed to really be enjoying the mall and there wasn't really a sense of um, any of the characters wrestling with, like, had this perverted their love of them all. Oh. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting part because, you know, before they've seen the monsters, it's the research center and not places that you would go for fun and enjoyment. Yeah. And But I imagine with this one. Or, or like, just that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say with um, with this one, I can see that they would come back and they'd be at the movie theater and everyone's going to be like, hey, remember when we, <laughs> you know, almost got killed by the Russians or Eleven flipped the car? Yeah. But I feel like the with the mall, especially for kids, there's that that sense of it's other. It's people in suits. And so whether it's people in suits who are, you know, bribing the mayor or, <laughs> and, you know, opening this thing underneath, there's not that same... Um, connection or level of depth about it yeah yeah okay i can see that from the kid's perspective yeah i guess i guess i was kind of wrestling with you know what more did i want because i think this is what i'm wrestling with is there are many different films that deal with malls i mean very Mm -hmm. very famously dawn of the dead introduces the idea that zombies just kind of go to or what they know in life and you know our survivors are holding up in this mall and seeing it empty and then seeing the zombies coming towards it, because that's kind of what malls were, is just this mindless place for us to be satiated and distracted. Yeah. Um, so in particular, in this, I feel like there is kind of a thematic statement of, in in this season of Stranger Things, the mall and its capitalism is literally a distraction from what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. It is literally a physical cap hiding the reality yeah so i feel like that just gets stated which is a hell of a thing to state is like yes there are monsters uh there are evil things yes a hostile foreign government has infiltrated this small town but nobody will notice because there's bright loud shiny capitalism mm-hmm. i feel like that is stated and then there's no follow-up like 
the show isn't wrestling with that anyway. It's yeah. just an incredibly loud, large metaphor that becomes physically real. And I think uh, uh, segue into talking a little bit also about the Russians. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, if you're just looking at 80s movies, tropes to play with, great. Russians are yeah. the villains. But but it's interesting to me because it's also like the mall. It's taking something that was a real fear in the 80s and a real piece of propaganda that there could be Russians. There could be commies Everywhere. anywhere, you know? Yeah. And the idea that the Russians who are used as a as boogeymen, boogie mm-hmm. people, uh, by lots of... Uh, propaganda for lots of different reasons in the Mm -hmm. 80s to to be like yep nope (laughs) they really did infiltrate rural small town america Mm -hmm. they undermined our capitalism Mm -hmm. in their underneath our city unleashing unlocking evil Mm -hmm. that's a hell of a i think for me having grown up in the 80s that's a hell of a thing to play with and just kind of put out there yeah and I feel like maybe like Alexei was a little bit of a balance of that to show at least one of the Russians is just human. Just doing his job. Just doing his job. Yeah. And to sh- to maybe a little bit of a commentary on like the reality of the Cold War of like mm-hmm. they got these readings of this massive power. So, of course, they can't have America just have that power. They need to have the power too, or hopefully get it first to have a balance. So like mm-hmm. a lot of it tracks. But I think for me, it was just to play so powerfully with uh, uh, symbols of real things from the 80s that were real propaganda and not be as clear with what your statement was. I think I got distracted from from some of the joys of following the characters, the adventures, the 80s pastiche to go like, hey, if you're literally going to (laughs) have Russians under a mall, what's your statement? Yeah. Honestly, partly, I feel like we just didn't have time to process that because for a lot of the characters, they didn't realize that until the very end when the mall is also being torn apart by the monster and by the fights. And so I feel like that's the next chapter, which maybe we see, maybe we don't, of, okay, now something new and shiny is being built. Do you trust it? Yeah. Do you not? Hmm. Do you look at where it's being built? Do you go as an you know amateur um, geologist with your Geiger counter? I don't know if that'd be a geologist, but you know, like what what are the readings around here? Who are the people who are interested? Um, does this cause people to become more involved in city government? What is the <laughs> permit process? How did these people happen to get the permits? So you can find out the uh, you know the process of the fact that they were bribing the mayor. Yeah, you're so civic minded. You you have to take the <laughs> civics approach, and I do like that. Uh, yeah, so I guess there are some points of of actual uh, critique. Yeah. of uh, how government can fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or is this Nancy's big story that she writes after this to break out? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Any rate, the the destruction of the mall I can accept as uh, the destruction of the illusion. Yeah. Which I think goes along with getting older. The idea of some of the things we fear are maybe real, mm-hmm. and I do like all those themes. I think I just have an uneasy relationship with. I grew up in the eighties, being raised by kind and liberal parents who would remind me you you shouldn't want to go kill russians they just 
live in a different place and have a different government and different point of view. Russians aren't evil mm-hmm. because they're Russians. Mm-hmm. And, and and we have Alexei to balance that. Yeah. But to to just see like the literal propaganda of the 80s be like, yep, and it's real. The Russians are coming to America. They're literally burrowing under our society. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, w- I think I wanted just a little something even more than Alexei to balance that out. Yeah, well, I hope there's some deleted scenes that we get to watch and <laughs> find that for you. Yeah, yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> uh, all right, so questions for the future as we start to wrap up our main uh, discussion. Yeah. Do you think Hopper is alive? I am very torn about this one. I um, I had that moment when it, the thing first exploded. Like, oh, did he get transported somewhere else? Yeah. Um, and the fact that they they didn't find any part of him. I don't know that they found any part of the other people that we saw getting exploded. Yeah. But we didn't see exactly what happened to him. So, But I'm torn because part of me also feels like, is that is that the best place for the story to go? I'm not the newsflash. I'm not actually one of the, uh, you know, executive producers or people <laughs> writing the story. So I don't know where it's going or needs to go. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm honestly torn. Okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like my initial reaction was, yeah, we didn't see him actually turn to dust. Yeah. Um, we uh, had the scene of, the you know not no not the American the post credit scene yep uh, and they had been calling him the American the whole time yeah so I'd already been leaning towards like yeah yeah he he's gonna come back and what a great interesting thing and and maybe it would cause them to explore some of these Cold War ideas a little yeah. bit more as the Cold War is is ramping up towards its uh, conclusion as they march through the eighties mm-hmm. um but uh I in researching this I discovered a fun and interesting thing that they did yeah so apparently in one of the scenes in uh, murray's uh home hideout uh his phone number is visible on screen and okay. it's not the normal 555 here's a fake phone number it's an actual phone number okay so fans called it and <laughs> there is a voicemail from murray from the actor when you call oh. it and there's a funny joke about, like, uh, if this is my mom, I told you to only call me during these hours. If this is Joyce getting back to me, Joyce, I need to talk to you. I have something important to tell you. I discovered something. Which makes oh, it... Oh, interesting. Cause, because my other theory was, like, oh, maybe the Ameri- saying the American is, uh, it's Murray. Yeah. Maybe they kidnapped Murray. And this is a, a psych out, you mm-hmm. know, to make people think Hopper's alive. But since they have Murray doing that phone call, which I assume is canonical. <laughs> uh, it makes me think Hopper is going to be alive. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a theory on Eleven's powers of where they went and if they will be back? Um, that is that is the thing that honestly, at the end, is like I. This is the thing I need to rewatch. Is exactly what happened when exactly her powers left. But I feel like they will be back. Yeah. Um, and I. Th- I mean, I think they are tied to. To the upside down, and whether this is showing that for right now that bridge is closed and yeah. there's nothing left on this side, so her powers aren't there, or whether you know because there there's 
uh, I felt like they were showing kind of that she kept getting weaker and weaker. Yeah, and she really, really, they, they had the line about, like, oh, my batteries just need to be recharged. And we've seen that before where she needs yeah. to rest. And, like, she was really exerting herself. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think they'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they will come back. It's just so much a part of what the show is. And yeah. I'm really curious and excited to see what they're going to do with that specific storytelling. Is it going to be something connected to uh, the Upside Down? Or, or are they going to go with a story that's been done a lot in good superhero storytelling of kind of psychosomatic, of using, like, they're there, you're, you're just blocking yourself yeah. from using them, and why, and, like, what kind of thing do you need to overcome, what challenge do you need to overcome in your life in order to reconnect with your power which i love in superhero stories sometimes because it is such a great analogy for us in our in our real life abilities you know yeah and also with her leaving with joyce and will and jonathan where are they going and will there be something in the new place that triggers the powers yeah yeah and as somebody uh i saw somebody on twitter uh cleverly point out how much of this is just so that 11 can't find hopper because if Hopper is alive and Eleven has her powers, <laughs> then you yeah. would have a million fans eventually going like, why isn't Eleven looking for Hopper? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a very interesting thing. All right. So here is final question for the main uh, part of our podcast, because we yeah. could talk about this season forever. What was your actual opinion, if you remember, on New Coke? <laughs> that I, I was not a fan. Yep. Okay, this is so great. I read an article about uh, somebody doing reporting about how it the not liking it was mostly like a marketing fail because the actual taste test before they made the change, people in a blind taste test, people just did like the new Coke better. Uh-huh. And that a lot of the, the kind of ingrained story now that it's been decades of like, it really didn't taste that bad. It's just one of those cultural things that everybody remembers new Coke is awful. And when I read that article, I thought it has this has a lot of interesting points that I didn't know about the marketing and about the taste test. Yeah. And I'm sure that's all factually true. But I remember not liking New Coke. Yeah, I, I remember my whole family not liking it. I, and, and it might have been that it, if it had just come out as a new soda or if they had just like subtly changed it over time, maybe nobody would have noticed. Yeah. But knowing that this was the new version of the old thing, yeah. uh, it, I remember it tasting like the Uncanny Valley. I didn't know the term Uncanny Valley when yeah. I was a kid, but it tasted like this is Coke, but not Coke. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I remember not liking it. And the last thing I will say is I'm so happy that we're doing this uh, podcast because every little thing keeps uh, tying to the theme of change is inevitable. Change. But in the instance of new Coke, sometimes it changes back mm-hmm. in two months. And that's fine, too. It is. Sometimes changes for good, sometimes not. And sometimes we can fix that. Yeah, sometimes Coke and Eleven's powers come back, right? (laughs) We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. These are questions I ask on every episode of the podcast. I'm going to have us both answer these, so I asked a couple fewer questions, so the podcast is not seven hours long. (laughs) How often, right now, do you think about Stranger Things? Daily. Daily. Okay. What makes it come to your mind besides driving by billboards of Scoops Ahoy infiltrated <laughs> by monsters? Um, I would. I'm. St- I think I'm still just processing all of it. I mean, it's been uh, a few days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so daily at this point is still less than a week. Okay. Um. So I think I think that will certainly go down as time progresses. But yeah. at this point, I think just thinking through, um, 
you know, which what parts of it came in right away versus what parts kind of filter in later. For me, when I watch something like this, I always watch the story and then some of the um, narratives of the individual characters or the themes or how some of those things relate, those tend to filter in just the way I process things tend to filter in later as it's kind of secondary in my mind rather than primary. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense to me. I think I'm thinking through it a lot uh, right now because I I was curious kind of by my own reaction of not being sure at first and then really, really liking it toward the end. Mm-hmm. And like I said, at the top of the podcast, I'm just kind of fascinated with it because I honestly think that it, it needs to be uh, paid attention to closely because it is it's doing something in a world where almost all of our entertainment is a big IP. It's one of the few things in the last several years that really successfully exploded in this very specific way. Yeah, that's a really good point. The same way you watch Star Wars once and you're like, lightsabers. Yeah. Or you watch Star Trek, you know, phasers. and mm-hmm. You watch this and you're, you're like, just like... Eleven with egos. Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So I think about it a lot from that perspective. And right now I've been thinking about it the last couple of days, just kind of waiting to see what specific images or scenes bubble up and remain in my memory. Yeah, which do? Um, well, I think a lot of the ones that we talked about, mm-hmm. but as time passes, it will change a little bit. Yeah. You know? I'm going to say another one that for me seems to bubble up in my mind, and I'm curious how much it will moving forward, is the overturned car. Oh, yeah. Because I just... feel like that car in the middle of the mall is, I don't maybe it's still a thing, but it was such a big thing. And to have, you know, it plays such a big part in so many different moments within the various fights, but then... It you know I just feel like that picture of it being overturned against the counter, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and just that big hero entrance for eleven and mm-hmm. and you know the violence of it. I mean, like the violence of this season was undeniable. Yeah, of like yeah, those Russians have guns and they're going to kill children. Yep, <laughs> and then they get smashed by, by a, a show car, a flying show car. Yep, yep. yep. But Yay. then teamwork, they push it back over with stanchions. So. And again, just, you know, uh, having lived through the 80s, you know, that's very accurate. That kind of thing happened all the time in malls. Yeah. Car, Russians the, were there killing children until they were run over by Yeah, show, show cars. cars just flew through the air all the yeah. time. Okay. It was very accurate. Okay. It was really nostalgic. I didn't go to the fancy malls. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, we'll move on to our next How Obsessed Are You question. <laughs> yeah. Would you ever, since you have the power to do such a thing, design a Stranger Things cocktail? Ooh, yes. Why have I not done this already? <laughs> oh, my gosh. We have to stop recording right yeah, now. Yeah, redo. <laughs> redo. Rewatch it all. Um, yes, I it, will start thinking about that right away. It would be really fun to to binge watch them and to pick the time of year because the first one has got a general spooky vibe. The second one was so specifically Halloween. And yeah. This one was so specifically, what is it to be a kid in the summer? Yeah. And it's baked in. It'd be really fun to pick, like, what time are we going to watch it? And how does that affect the mood of it all while drinking your cocktail? And what's the season one cocktail, the season two cocktail, and the season three cocktail? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want some sort of gin-based Scoops Ahoy ice cream float for season three. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yep. Uh, for my answer, I, I would not design one because I'm not good at cocktail design. Uh, I've only designed one cocktail, and it was kind of a joke, and, uh, and it, <laughs> it was kind of tasty, but grossed some people out. Anyway, uh, not, don't have time for that story today, uh, but I would certainly drink a Stranger Things cocktail. Yeah. Okay, here's here's my goal. Okay. I want to figure out how to make one that has part of it be like a little layer of ice midway through, so you've got the upside down on part of it. Oh, damn, And then as that's it melts, great. it kind of seeps through. 
Oh, man. I'm sure there's things on the internet, but you do such an amazing job of, de- mm-hmm. of developing cocktails based on our, our pop culture enjoyment. Yeah, and the th- one of the things that I really like about it is taking, like, what speaks to us. And yeah. not just like, oh, what are the colors? I'm going to make a that color cocktail. Yeah. So, yeah. yep, okay, that's where my brain's going to be for the next few days is specifically obsessing about Stranger Things cocktails. Yay, this is such a great obsession for a life <laughs> partner to have. I'm so lucky. Uh, all right, if the fourth season of Stranger Things was only going to happen because of a Kickstarter, would you support it? Yeah. You I would. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you unsure? Were you unsure? Because no. at first you're like, mm. no, I meant that as a like, mm-hmm. that okay, is that was I an affirmative. Do. That was an affirmative. Yeah. How I about would, you? Yeah, I would definitely do it. I think something incredibly strange and catastrophic would be happening to the entertainment industry if that was necessary. <laughs> that, 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 that might be the uh, hesitation that I didn't mean to have in my voice that you just sensed from my general aura. It's not, everything is so crazy. It is not out of the realm of possibility. Not Kickstarter at all. for some. Thing some industries like the board game industry, it's a perfectly normal thing for it's not like just for indie, you yeah. know. So that would be fascinating if someday that was like, oh yeah, that's a you do the first your first couple seasons on Netflix, but then if you want to continue, you got to do a Kickstarter. Yeah, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would definitely. I'm really, really curious to see where they go next with these characters and these themes. Yeah, so yeah, I would definitely. I would pay money to see Eleven get her powers back. <laughs> <laughs> Put it that way. Uh, would you vote for any Stranger Things character for president? Ooh, in our real world or in the Stranger Things world? Uh, however you would like to answer. How about that? Um, hmm. In the Stranger Things world, I think some of the kids, when they become old enough, yeah, uh, assuming that things in the next 20 years are, you know, don't go too horribly for them. Yes, absolutely. Um, in our real world, real world, I'm going to say no. Okay. Would you? I would, what jumped to my mind is I would vote for Joyce because just that specific energy of what, there's a problem. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. And like, what, what tool is needed? Okay, I'll go get that. And just that absolutely, uh, charging forward energy. It's not like she does dangerous, reckless, weird, selfish things. She just has such an energy of, I recognize a problem and I will not let go of it. Yeah. Until it's addressed. Yeah, so maybe she'd be good at cutting through all the red tape. Yeah, cutting through all the red tape. And uh, she certainly would speak her mind, you know? <laughs> that great scene in the first season where she just tells her boss all the things she's going to need, a lot of time off, and two phones. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, that's what I want in government. <laughs> Somebody who's going to fight for two phones. Ah. Uh, all right. If aliens visited Earth and you were the first to greet them, would you consider showing them stranger things? No. <laughs> Why not? Because either they're going to think this is what we think and expect of them, which is not. Yeah. Or they're going to think this is what they should think and expect of us. Right. Which is not what I want them to think. So, no, that would be like, okay, we've been friends for a year. Things are going pretty well. You should see this crazy thing. Okay. It's yeah. really fun, but we've established communication and boundaries and understanding of each other. Yeah. I think for me, it would be a. In, in the running for second or third viewing. Wow. Like after I had showed them other things, mm-hmm. maybe second or third, fourth or fifth. Okay. I'm taking this real seriously. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to show aliens like this is how uh, either, depending on your point of view, either advanced or self-involved that we are. That in 
2019, we can have a very popular show that is obsessed with being nostalgic for the entertainment of the <laughs> 1980s and is basically like you can understand it having never seen any of the films and TV shows it's referencing, but it's partially built on talking to old movies. It, like, yeah. And I think some of them would be like, oh, wow, you have a lot of, uh, you know, intelligence and perspective and layers of thought. And I think some of these would be like, damn, get over yourself, human. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you say this, are you showing them all three seasons so far or are you starting with season three? I No, I'd start with season one. Okay. Come on. I mean, I, I that, that's no way to treat aliens I just, to just, just jump into the middle of a story. <laughs> I'm a little obsessive about watching things in order. I, I know you. I just wanted to confirm. Okay. I may, this is my test to make sure you're not an alien. <laughs> Good. And there's no uh, <laughs> fake mask to be ripped off. Uh, I am not full of a weird uh, upside down dust. I am me. All right. Would you cosplay as a Stranger Things character? Ooh, yeah, totally. Um, I a few of them, in fact. I, yeah. Um, I don't. Jumping back to, I think it was last season with the Brontosaurus sweatshirt. Yes. I don't think I actually had that, but I feel like I certainly saw it. We talked about, I think before that you know we both um spent time in our childhood in minnesota yeah went to the science museum of minnesota which is the museum that originally made that sweatshirt yeah and uh so i would totally uh cosplay as dustin <laughs> wearing the sweatshirt um joyce robin hello ships away uh, scoops away scoops away <laughs> goodness gracious uh, remember how we mentioned tired at the yeah. beginning yeah <laughs> yeah um, yes. So there are many, many of the people I would cosplay as. Yeah, I think this Halloween we're going to see a lot of Scoops Ahoy so. costumes and at conventions. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Would you? Oh, that would and be really... who? Well, cosplaying is one of the boys would basically just be cosplaying as my actual youth. And I think I would have mixed feelings about that. Uh, that, that was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> I think I've done it for sketch comedies. Yeah. Stuff, How about Steve? Steve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you wear a Scoops Ahoy costume? I'm saying that partially to show I can get it right. Yeah, for the right thing, for the right reasons. Yeah. Yes, I would. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to just like. <laughs> no, I meant if like I, I, if I really felt like a reason to cosplay it. Like, okay. do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't think I would just do it randomly. Yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, it's a fun costume. You know what? I would probably be into doing uh, cosplaying as interrogated Steve. So I had the uh, extra irony of being a little beat up and a little, a little blood on the Scoops Ahoy yeah. costume. Would you cosplay as Hopper? Mm. Yes. Dressed up for dinner, Hopper. Dressed up for dinner, yes. And uh, I would, if I could carry around a bottle of wine and call it Chi- Chianti <laughs> like he does. Yeah. Which is so great. Uh, I love that little scene. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, moving on. If the fourth season premiered, but right before we watched it, a bear from the Upside Down stole our remote. Would you try to get it back? No. <laughs> I've seen things from the Upside Down. Nothing good comes if you try to interact with them. I'm going to find a friend who has Netflix and go watch it there. Okay. What if I had a baseball bat with nails in it? Um, I don't want you to risk your life either. We have friends that we can go watch it with. <laughs> Fair. But we really want to watch it right now. <laughs> um, it depends on if we've rewatched 
the seasons one and two recently, so we know the appropriate fighting techniques. Okay, season one, two, and three. Then we okay. Yeah, I mean the bear has oh, yeah. up in season three. Okay, so, yeah. Um, and I don't remember. Okay, season one versus two. I would try to reason with the bear, mm-hmm. just in case, because I think there's. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Are that we role playing? Me being the bear. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> I think I would try to be like, look, come on, you've you, the, the upside down has invaded our world multiple times. It hasn't gone well. We just want to watch the fun show. We have an extra seat. You sit down by our stuffed pork, upside down bear, and see if you could maybe enjoy the show. Let's come together. There's no reason the real world and the upside down world have to fight so much. Mm-hmm. And I would see if I got through to the bear. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I'd have to um, jump out the window to get away from the bear. <laughs> but carefully. Would you sit down uh, in the chair next to the bear? If the bear sat down, I was like, okay. Yeah, but what? I think it would... <laughs> I think it would affect my enjoyment of the show. I think I'd be, I'd feel really awkward anytime like a monster from the upside down was killed and be like, sorry, bear. Yeah, because what if the monster, the bear got mad and like came up and swiped our TV? Then we wouldn't get to watch it at all. Yeah. Well, then, you know, this whole thing, it just goes to show it's great the gate was closed, right? <laughs> taking this question far too seriously. You are. And I love it. I love it. Uh, I think all your answers are great. I, I'm excited <laughs> to see you maybe doing some cosplaying. I meant to say about Hopper, the thing with uh, with cosplay is it's it's always interesting to, to think about how much uh, you can represent the spirit of the character mm-hmm. by cosplaying, you know? Mm, and yeah. I really, I like where Hopper ended up, but he went on such a journey of anger. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that doesn't want to dress up and just <laughs> be angry yeah yeah no and i guess that's maybe why i specifically said the the dinner version of hopper the dinner version of yeah. hopper yes yeah i would dress up as joyce and have a little bag of magnets with me oh yeah where am i ma- oh and i would dress up as mr clark mm. that would be fun yeah would you bring uh a example of magnet with you absolutely okay. so i can explain things yeah. <laughs> be constantly listening to weird owls i walk down the, the hall of the convention <laughs> or whatever that would be great fun all right uh we always make noises to sum up our obsessions what kind of noise can you make to sum up your obsession with stranger things <laughs> is that just the upside down bear and more okay <laughs> nice nice um I think for myself, uh, my noise will be words. And it'll just be, Scoops Ahoy! <laughs> From the interrogation scene. Uh, now we are going to rate our obsessions on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay. 10 being the highest, 1 being the lowest. How obsessed are you feeling with Stranger Things Season 3 right now? I'm going to give myself a 6. A 6. It's nice and solid. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to go a little higher. I'll give myself an eight because I think mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it from lots of different perspectives as just a viewer, um, as a writer, as a fan of pop culture and where Stranger Things fits into the larger conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's, it's uh, somebody who was alive in the 80s. All those different ways, it's sticking in my brain and it's I right think there. I'll stick there for a little longer. So I'm going to stay right up at in eight. This now is the plugging portion of our podcast. Can you tell people where they can find you on the old internets? You can. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. That's Sarah with no H on the end. And you can find me on Instagram at Scrimstreet. 
Excellent. And here are some quick plugs for this show, then our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. Also, you can check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host that is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are final questions. I've asked you a lot of weird final questions. Okay. So these are Stranger Things specific. Excellent. If you could travel in time to the 1980s, what would you do there? I would... Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, my initial reaction was that I would go back and play with Legos, which is a ridiculous <laughs> answer because I can play with Legos now. Yeah. But like... The I want to go back and play with 1984 Legos. Apparently, that's oh, what came wow. into my brain. So we'll just we'll go with that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um. I think I would go to uh, probably 1980 and watch Empire Strikes Back in the theater Ooh. again. Uh, Good answer. And, and watch all the all the people experiencing it for the first time. Yeah, that'd be really yeah. cool. And seeing if anybody. How much chatter there is in the theater lobby spoiling that Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father? Yeah, can I can I hop on to your answer? Sure, I'd like to do that and also oh. play with Legos. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, we've got a busy, busy date. Yeah. Little time travel yeah. to okay. 1980 when we show up with a bunch of Legos <laughs> to watch Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> if you could have one of Eleven's powers, which would it be? Locating people or throwing things with your mind? Oh throwing things with my mind yeah 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 is that because you just have a deep desire to do that or is it more that the locating people like they showed us in this season of stranger things is a a a mixed blessing um honestly it's because throwing things with my mind just sounded fun (laughs) you know the the locating people with my mind i is what i should do that could be you know like good humanitarian with that yeah but there's dangers also but throwing things with your mind yeah. You can do good things with that, too. Yeah, you can help people. Yeah. You can throw a car to save the world. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely, for myself, would want to throw things uh, with my mind. And yet another great iconic thing in Stranger Things is uh, the amazing acting of just little head nods I to write. communicate exactly what motion things should make or the hand flick to do something little. So great. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. Final question for everyone on the podcast, every episode, is what is happiness? Happiness is having your SS butterscotch or whatever your ice cream or food of choices and sitting down with somebody you like to watch some good television. That is not only a great answer to what is happiness, that's literally what we're going to do when we finish recording. So thank you (laughs) for the really great uh, answer and the plan for our evening. Thanks, as always, uh, for doing these podcasts with me. Thank you. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. So, what is your most interesting memory of being in an actual mall? (laughs) Um, I once got stuck on an escalator. Uh, (laughs) As in, like, my shoe, the flap of my shoe um, got stuck in the mechanics of the escalator. And for a while, I was always scared of the the um, top step of the escalator after that because I didn't want to get stuck again. Okay, that better be a scene in season four of Stranger (laughs) Things. That is the ultimate terror.